Merciful God, in Christ you have come among us, and we would rejoice. Yet still the world groans in hope of redemption. So we pray that you would open our hearts, O oh God, to hear you speaking today. Through your words of scripture, through song and prayer, through your spoken word. By your spirit, give us grace so that we will, not, we will not deny the sufferings that we face, nor the hope that you give to us. O God of peace, teach us to sorrow, not as those without hope, but as people who remember the grace that comes to us in Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that the first act of worship offered to the newborn baby was the act of giving and so lead us, O oh God, to give ourselves to Christ and for Christ. We confess to you, O oh Lord, that sometimes we are like King Herod. We hunt down those things or those people that threaten our way of life, and we want to destroy them. We feel tricked by those who outsmart us to fly into a rage and want to destroy that which threatens us. Forgive us, O oh God. Give us sight and insight to set aside our fragile egos and help us to flee into your loving arms and protect us all. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen.
today. I brought my favorite pillow. It's so much of a favorite, it's even got a hole in it. I am going to take a nap at the Marion Church today because I have a dear friend that needs some help and she needs some advice from me. And I believe that if I take a nap during church and have a really good dream, that dream will tell me what I need to tell her. What do you think about that? No, maybe, maybe not, or whatever. Uh, well, I dream a lot, and I'm sure that you do too. And a lot of the dreaming that I do is just about stuff that went on during the day. And really kind of wears me out sometimes when I dream. I have, what, babies? You dream? Did your dinosaur, oh, your dinosaur pillow has a hole in it just like my favorite pillow does. Well, Mr. Mr. Greg and I have a, it's time, Mr. Greg and I have a cat. Her name is Penelope. And she is a sweetheart. And she, she sleeps more than she does anything. And I watch her sleeping, and she dreams. And sometimes she kind of bats her paws when she's uh, sleeping. And I, I believe she's dreaming. She's dreaming that she is catching one of those birds outside. And that's why she's, she's dreaming. Okay, if dreams are usually about things that happen during the day, why would I think that I could go to bed and figure out how to help my friend? In, in the story that our pastor is going to talk about today from the gospel, is exactly what's happening. When Jesus was born, there was a king named Herod who heard about a powerful king being born in Bethlehem. That was Jesus. Just celebrated Jesus' birthday last week. He thought that Jesus was going to take over his kingdom, and he didn't want that to happen. King Herod didn't want that to happen. He was willing to do anything to make sure that Jesus would never get old enough to, to be a king. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, had no idea of what was being planned until one night. Joseph had a dream where an angel told him to get up and take Mary and Jesus to Egypt, far away from King Herod and the danger that was about to happen. That was a pretty special dream, wouldn't you agree? Pretty special. What's even more amazing is that Joseph had another dream when it was safe to bring Jesus back home. God used something as normal and common as a dream to tell Joseph what to do to keep our Jesus safe. That was pretty cool, wouldn't you think so? Think about all the things that happen to you every day. They might not be big dreams, but there's lots of things that goes on in all of our lives, whether we're kids or adults or senior adults, whatever. Things go on in our lives. Uh, and God can use some of those boring things that go on in our daily lives to tell us something, just like he told Joseph in that dream. 
Keep your eyes and ears ready. You never know when God will tell you something that's important in an unexpected place. Can you get that? Dreams are important, but things that happen in our life are just as important. Let's pray. God of everything and everywhere, help us to be open to hear you and seeing you in every little thing that happens today and every day. Fill our days with the wonder of your love and your grace. Amen. We will continue with worship. Thank you, boys and girls.
scripture for today is Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 23. After they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take your child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And Jesus got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he went and killed all the children in the land of Bethlehem, who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing a loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. And Jesus got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord.
just with so much talent in this church. So, Christmas is over. Now what? I have a friend in uh, Louisville uh, who is an Episcopal priest, and he takes exception with the title of my sermon today because he says Christmas is not over. And technically, he is right because Christmas Day actually begins the season of Christmas. Now, some of you, you I know you've all heard of the 12 days of Christmas, right? And a lot of people think that's the 12 days leading up to Christmas. Ah, it starts Christmas Day. And the season of Christmas lasts for 12 days until the day of Epiphany on January 6th, which is the day that you celebrate the coming of the Magi, the wise men. Lesson for today. But you know what I mean when I say Christmas is over. Now what? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? All of the hoopla. You know, we, we Advent builds up to Christmas Day, and and it's a and it's a frantic pace that we all set in our lives and we all experience in our lives. And then that day comes, and then the next day it's all. And it's hard not to feel a little bit let down after Christmas Day is over, isn't it? A few days after Christmas one year, Pastor John Walton noticed that, that all of the Christmas decorations at one of the local pharmacies had been taken down, had been removed from the store, and all of these decorations had already been replaced by Valentine's Day merchandise. Just a few days after Christmas. I don't know, they may be out there now. I, I haven't been in the store today. Walmart has it now. Red boxes of candies, take bears with big hearts on them, red candles for romantic fighting. The clerk behind the counter was complaining to one of her co-workers, I hate Valentine's Day. She said, I'll never have a boyfriend and I hate Valentine's Day. And then Walton goes on to say that nothing is as over as Christmas when it's over. The empty boxes, the pretty paper on the floor, the stray tinsel from the tree which the cat played with and left abandoned on the sofa, the empty cartons of eggnog stuffed into the garbage can. Life has come back to normal. Whatever that is. And it means that the diversion of the past few weeks, the frenzy and the fuss, the lights, the glitter, are all packaged, packaged away or packed away like a star on top of a Christmas tree. Taken down and carefully wrapped and padded and protected until next year. And what is left? The war in Iraq. Afghanistan, Syria, government shut down, homeless people sleep in doorways, hungry people beg for food, worries about health, kids that concern us, jobs that wear us down. We're back to where we left off before the holiday. And like the folks who were left in town after, after the Lone Ranger had been for a visit, we may ask out loud, who was that master? Or better yet, who was that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, my master? 
Well, we haven't moved that far away from Christmas, just five minutes. And I hope that you're still basking in the love of all the, the joy and the love and the peace that comes with this time of the year. But there is that inevitable letdown. So much has been packed into the last few weeks of Advent. And you know, we, we can talk about keeping Christmas all year long. We, we hear that sometimes, don't we? We can talk about keeping Christmas all year long, but really, who can handle that? We don't want the clocks freak around the malls all year long. And, and who could maintain that pace of eating? <laughs> My gosh, I mean, many of us are already planning our diets to begin on January the 2nd, right? Yeah? And actually, if we're honest about it, we need a little rest. We need a little respite from all of the busyness that we've been experiencing. But you know what? Mary and Joseph weren't allowed to reside permanently in Bethlehem. And neither can they. It's back to the real, real world. And the same was true for Mary and Joseph. You know what happened to this young family after Jesus was born. After the wise men were gone, and an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and left for Egypt right away, where he stayed until the death of Herod. This holy family left just in the nick of time. For you see, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all of the male children in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old or younger. Could there be anyone more cruel than that? But after Herod died, an angel appeared to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so Joseph got up again, took Mary as a child, and went to the land of Israel as he was told. But when he heard that Archelaus was king of Judea in place of his father Herod, who was afraid to go there because Archelaus was known to be just as cruel as his father was. So having been born in a dream, Joseph went to Galilee. And there he raised his family in a town called Nazareth. Now, we complain because we have to go back into the real world after Christmas. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. But folks, let me tell you something. Our world does not compare to the world that this young family faced. This young family that we've been celebrating over these past five weeks. They lived in a world where a cruel tyrant could, on a whim, just on an order, order the death of all the infants and toddlers in a home community, whole area. They lived in a world where there were no jets or buses taking them comfortably down to Egypt. They would have to settle for the back of a donkey if they were lucky enough to get that. Or perhaps they had to walk the whole way. 
means of transportation, it was a long, hard, tiring journey. They lived in a world where after Herod's death, they couldn't be certain that they were saved even yet because Herod's sons were just as cruel as he was. So Christmas is over. Where does that leave us? Over the weeks of Advent, we have celebrated the prophecies of Isaiah. When the Messiah comes, Isaiah said, the world will have light and love and peace and joy. And the faithful will sing in delight for Emmanuel, God with us, will be born. And he was born. And the world was changed forever. But now what? Where's all this light? Where's all this love? Where's all this peace and joy when, when Christmas is over? Well, I mentioned this on the first Sunday of Advent, that the kingdom of God that was ushered in with the birth of Christ really only established a beachhead for the birth of Jesus, or at the birth of Jesus. The manger was just the beginning of God's plan. And there is much yet to be done. The baby in the manger has to become a man yet. He has to teach us his ways. And, and then we have to teach the world. And then in the fullness of God's time, the age of the Messiah will be ushered in. And we look forward to that day with great anticipation. But what are we to do in the meantime? Well... We do what Joseph did during those dark days after Jesus was born. First of all, we trust God. When Joseph was warned to flee from Herod's wrath, he acted promptly. You see, Joseph trusted God. Just like he trusted God when the angel told him that the child in Mary's womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of man that Joseph was. He was a man of character who trusted in God. And so when God spoke to him, he obeyed. Ray Richard tells about visiting a graveyard with his brother in rural Alabama. He says that they drove along a remote country road and they finally stopped near the ruins of an old antebellum plantation. And they got out of the car and walked into the woods for about a quarter of a mile. And there they found the family cemetery of the owners of this 19th century plantation. Climbed over a low wall and began to look at the gravestones. Most of them were 150 years old or older. And most of the markers contained phrases like loving father, beloved mother, darling son, rest in peace. Asleep in Jesus, things like that. But eventually they came to the grave of the man who owned the plantation. And under his name, there was the date of his birth and the date of his death. And then there was a five-word statement that summed up his whole life. It said, a man of unquestioned intent. Just five words. Nothing more. Nothing less. Do you know something? 
I think that those words could have been etched in Joseph's gravestone as well. For you see, he was a man of unquestioned integrity. And we can also add that he was a man of faith. We hear that sometimes. That's a person of faith. She's a woman of faith. He's a man of faith. He has a lot of faith. What is faith? What is faith? Well, Hebrews tells us what faith is. And he uses Abraham as an example of a man of faith. He talks about God coming to Abraham. God came to Abraham and said, Go from your country and your family to the land that I will show you. And then a few verses later it said, So Abraham went as the Lord told him to. No argument, no delay. God spoke, Abraham obeyed. That, according to Hebrews, is faith. Faith is not an intellectual assent with some abstract idea. Faith is not uh, the acceptance of theological precepts. It, it's, it's not simply believing that something is true. That's not what faith is. Faith is a complete obedience to the will of God. It is hearing what God has to say to you and then acting on it. And so the angel comes to Joseph and tells him to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife. You remember? Even though she's pregnant. And he knows it's not his. And then Matthew tells us that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him. And took Mary as his wife. And as we've already seen, when the angel came and told him to take Mary and the child to Egypt... Matthew tells us, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother to Egypt. That was Joseph. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of faith. You think it might make a difference in all of the people who call Jesus Lord had that kind of integrity and faith? I think it would make a difference. I think it would change the world. It would completely change the world just like that. So the first thing that we need to do after Christmas is to keep on trusting God. The second thing we need to do is to take care of those that we love. That was Joseph's main concern. He loved Mary. He loved Jesus. And he was committed to doing whatever he needed to do to keep them safe and to provide for them. Not only to provide for them materially, but also emotionally and spiritually. And that's what we can do when Christmas has passed. We keep trusting God and we take care of those that we love. We love them. We listen to them. We encourage them. We understand that they are God's gift to us. And we treat them with love and with dignity. Jesse Jackson tells a story of a visit that he made uh, years ago to the University of Southern Mississippi. He was touring the campus there with the university president. And he saw, he came across this, this huge guy, this male student who was six feet, seven, six feet, eight inches tall. And he was holding hands with this tiny, fidgety 
co-head that was very going to be taught. So this six foot eight guy is holding hands with this, this tiny girl that's just a little over three feet tall. And, and the contrast, that six feet tall to three feet, peaked Jackson's curiosity. And so he watched as the young man tenderly hugged this tiny co-head and sent her off to, to her class. The president told Jackson that the student was a star basketball player, the, the man. <laughs> the 60 day player. He was a star basketball player, and the girl was his sister. And he said both parents had died when, when, they, when he was a teenager. And he made a vow to look after his sister. And he said many scholarships had come his way, but only Southern Mississippi offered one also to his sister. So that's why he was there. So Jackson went over to the basketball star and introduced himself and said that he appreciated the way he was looking after his sister and the athlete just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, those of us whom God makes this hate have to look out for those he makes for his work. Don't you wish everybody had that kind of love for his or her siblings? We live lives of faith and we look out for those that we love. And that brings us to the last thing that we do when Christmas has passed. We remember the world of Christ. Why did Jesus come into the world that One reason. One reason only. Because God so loved love. Love the world. That God gave God's only God's. That's it. Christmas is about love. And we want to keep that spirit of Christmas all year long because the spirit of Christmas consists of loving our neighbor and loving God. Not just one day out of the year, not just one day out of the week, but all year long. And that's what we mean when we say that's Christian spirit. I want to tell you, I want to close with a, a haunting story. Uh, I was told by W.D. Freeman. Talks about a man walking down a dimly lit street late one night. And as he was walking down the street, he heard the sounds of, of a muffled scream coming from behind a clump of, of bushes. Slow down to listen. And he panicked a little when he realized that what he was hearing was the unmistakable sound of a struggle. It was heavy grunting and frantic scuffling and the tearing of fabric. Only a few yards away from where he stood, a woman was being attacked. And so he froze in his tracks. Hardly daring to breathe lest the attack, attacker should notice that he was there. And then a strange thought occurred to him. Should he get involved? Frightened for his own safety, he cursed himself for deciding to take a new route home that night. And he had family responsibilities. What, what if he became just another statistic? And he instantly had the urge to, to run to a safe place and use a cell phone to call the police. 
but he could hear the struggle become more desperate. And his eternity seemed to pass as he argued with himself. And these deliberations in his head only took a few seconds, but already the girl's cries were growing weaker. And he had to decide, fast. How could he sleep at night if he walked away from this? And so he finally resolved that he could not turn his back on the fate of this unknown woman, even if it meant risking his own life. And he was not known as a, uh, for his bravery, he was not known for his strength, for his athletic abilities, but he summoned up all of the moral courage and all of the physical strength that he could muster. And once he had finally determined to help this young girl, he became strangely transformed. And he ran behind the bushes and he pulled the assailant off of the woman. He wrestled with the attacker for a few moments and the man finally ran away. And he was there, panting hard. He scrambled to his feet and approached the girl who was crouched behind the tree, sobbing. And in the darkness, he could, he could just barely see her outline, a silhouette, and, but he could certainly sense her fear. And not wanting, not wanting to frighten her, he spoke to her from a distance and said, It's okay. It's okay. The man ran away. You're safe now. There's a long pause. And as Peter heard these words, uttered in wonder and amazement. Dad, is that you? And now from behind that tree said the youngest dog. What if he had decided not to get involved? But what I want to say to you on this Sunday after Christmas is this. We will only have the true spirit of Christmas when we understand that every child on this earth is ultimately our son or our child.
take care of those that you love. And expand your love to every single person for whom God sent his son. Let's sing together our closing and belief. And as we do, let's ponder what this is all about. What Christmas is all about. It is about love. Not the warm, fuzzy feeling. It is about sharing the love that God has given to us with everyone in the world. And making every person in the world our Amen.